Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Hi, everyone. We're going to be taking a couple months off as we prepare for our upcoming season. Enjoy this episode nugget from our archives and visit our website for the full story. You can also join us on Patreon for exclusive content not found in our regular podcast feed. Hey everyone, it's Elliot. And Todd. Welcome to Two Designers Walk Into a Bar, an ongoing conversation about pop culture and iconic design. Todd, this week marks a seminal moment in music and pop culture. Right. Of course. The Titanic soundtrack finally hit number one. Uh, hmm. I was actually thinking about when Bob Dylan arrived in New York in 1961 after dropping out of the University of Minnesota, playing a show at Café Wa in Greenwich Village. Uh, all right, sure, if you want to get all bohemian. You know, it's funny you should use that word. Dylan reminds me of the Beats, which is one of my favorite time periods. So let's take a few minutes to jump into our origin story about that movement and how impactful it was on pop culture. All right, let's listen. I need to also state clearly that aside from war and aside from atomic bombs, there was a whole group of people that the Leave it to Beaver era really sort of sucked for. And that, of course, was African-Americans. It was it was black people. Right. So yeah. the yeah. civil yeah. rights movement was starting up in earnest and these pushes against inequality. So you have this consumer culture happening. You have these rules that are being followed. You have a lot of folks who are being told not to question too much and just don't rock the boat and follow the program and everything will be okay. And there was really just a certain subset of people who thought all of this was bullshit. Uh, uh, all of what, well, all of that sort of conformity and change around yeah the program the program the the man right like like don't tell me what to do don't tell me how to live my life like let me make my own decisions right you know i love controversy (laughs) tell me more about tell me more about that so when you think about the beats one of the core things to think about is they reject the sort of standard narrative values these things that are you're told the value in American culture and post-World War II culture. Like, this is what's important. Hmm. Okay. Um, standard narrative values. That's like... Uh, Sorry, am I being too academic for you? You might You might be, yeah. Can okay. you break it down for me a little bit? I'm not sure I fully understand, but... but yeah, yeah, yeah. You that. gotta... If you have money, you need to buy these things, and that will make you happy, oh, right? Oh, okay. You have to... And and not if, but you yeah, want yeah, money. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. You, you, need, yeah. you need money, and you need money because that money will allow you to get stuff, and that stuff means that, you know, your time is filled doing these things, right? Like watching TV. Right. Um, 
And just really, they didn't feel that self-worth was tied up in how much money you made or what things you owned or just all these kind of signal markers in pop culture. Like, oh, I'm going to start with a Chevy and then I'm going to go to the Buick and then I'm going to go to the Oldsmobile and then I'm going to go to the Cadillac. And that's when my neighbor sees the Cadillac. That's when I've really arrived. (laughs) You know, that that whole thing, right? Those sorts of corporate programs. But then... Thinking of going back to religion for a second, these folks also were questioning that. They were questioning their own spirituality. Keep in mind, you know, some of these folks had served in World War II. They'd been overseas. They'd seen the horrors of war. And after you see cities leveled and you stare death in the face, um, you might not think, oh, I think I'll just have a house and just settle down things are much more existential, right? Like, why are we here? What's the human condition? So you start to think about that exploration that happens through not only Western religions, but also Eastern religions too. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so that there was a reaction to the rise of Christianity from the beats. Exactly. They were exploring other religions, Eastern religions, as you said, and also, Um, They were kind of not buying the whole God is smiling on the U.S. because we're, we're great people because they saw bad things that happened. That, and I think they, they kind of figured out, hmm, maybe we got lucky. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. Right. You know, it's probably an element of chance a little bit. Right. So you have this rejection of, of materialism. Um, You have them thinking about the human condition. Now, there's a couple of other things I want to mention really quickly because, of course, these often get credited to the hippies, but in a lot of ways, uh, the Beats really laid the groundwork for the hippies. So, sorry, hippies, but the Beats were first with things like uh, self-medicating through psychedelic drugs. (laughs) Yes. Right? And then also sexual liberation and exploration, too, right? Oh, okay. Okay. So they were, the beats were getting their freak on and um, the hippies just kind of picked it up. <laughs> right. And ran they with they it, were past right? the playbook, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we already know that Jack Kerouac was called the king of the beats, That's not right. the king of the beast, but the king of the beats. And who else were some players in this scene as it was getting started? Yeah. Great question. Okay. So. Yes, Jack Kerouac, definitely the most popular uh, guy, and I say guy, really all of the folks involved in this, by and large, were men. There were a couple of women. I mentioned one earlier who was hanging around Kerouac when he was reading his review, but by and large, this was a male-dominated thing. Um, So there were two other people, in addition to Kerouac, who were sort of considered the the three legs of the stool, I guess, or the pillars of uh, the beat movement, and those folks are Allen Ginsberg and William Burroughs. Sounds familiar. Sounds yeah. like names we've heard before. The definitely. De- and, and these jokers really started to figure into pop culture in a major way in the 80s and going into the 90s. And we'll, we'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. Um, so each of these guys, of course, had just like Kerouac with On the Road, they had their own seminal works, right? Because you have to be known for something. So Kerouac's On the Road, as we mentioned earlier, came out in September 57. Allen Ginsberg had an epic poem 
called Howl that came out a year earlier in 56. And then Burroughs had a book called Naked Lunch that came out a few years later in 1959. All right. All right. So they were and those I've heard of all of those. Those were those were big deals in the literary world, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, here's the thing. So Viking was the publisher that released on the road. Okay. And apparently, if you read about the original the scroll, right? The quote unquote scroll I mentioned earlier, the the bane of Truman Capote's existence. <laughs> <laughs> when that was turned into Viking and the they originally looked at it, apparently real names were used and there was much, much more explicit material in terms of sexual dalliances, shall we say. Okay? Mm, mm, okay. Now, Viking basically said to Kerouac, they're like, look, uh, if you want to publish this book through us, you're going to have to tone some of this stuff down. You're going to have to take some of it out. You're going to have to change some of these names. So if you go back and you read the original uh, On the Road, uh, the unedited one that was released much later, it's much, much more raw, apparently. Oh, okay. The scroll tells all. Yes, why did Viking do this? Why did they say this? Well, you could argue they were prudish, right? And they're like, hey, we want to get this in the hands of middle America. They'll never go for this. But it turns out they actually had a pretty good reason. <laughs> so how the year before and then Naked Lunch later, two years after On the Road came out. So you have one book that a year earlier was the focus of an obscenity trial. <laughs> oh, Okay. Howl. That was Howl, right? Yeah, that was Howl. And then two years later, <laughs> uh, Naked Lunch is a, a focus of another obscenity trial. So they're kind of the, oh, the, okay. the bread on this sandwich. Uh, but Kerouac managed to dodge that bullet by uh, <laughs> listening to his editors a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Don't forget to tell a friend, leave a review on your platform of choice, and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. We're always here for you at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading! reading. Two Designers Walk Into a Bar is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. For more information about our show or to discover more podcasts you'll enjoy, visit evergreenpodcasts.com.